Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Hi, Mark. Hi, Liz. Hi, Bettys. Bettys. Bettys, we are so grateful for all the voice memos that we are getting from you guys mm-hmm. where you're saying like, Hi, I'm Linda, and I'm from New Zealand, and you're mm-hmm. listening to my grandma's diaries. Or even our new favorite ones where you're sending in comments about, my favorite part of the diary is when Elizabeth finally got out of the tent or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, the interaction is what makes us so excited to come here every mm-hmm. week and record these podcasts. So thank you so much for being a big part of that. I don't have anything exciting to talk about uh, before the entry. So why don't we just jump let's into ju- yeah, the wrap let, up. Let, let's uh, play one of these voice memos right now. Okay. Okay. I cannot tell you how many people I have blabbed this podcast to. I was so, I, I was just hooked and I binged every single episode in probably like a weekend and then I was like oh shoot okay I have to wait for it to come out and when I looked at the podcast I must have had the episode sorted like backwards to forward and it looked like the last episode was in April and my heart broke but no now I see the recent uh the one that recently dropped so excited I love this Okay, so last on episode 32, it was the first part of 1937. Elizabeth, of course, is still working at the telephone office, and she and Jack are real hot and cold. Mm-hmm. I mean, one minute they're loving each other, yeah. and the next minute they're mad, and then she won't let him kiss her. And then he's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm not going home if you make me leave. And she's mm-hmm. like, where are you going? <laughs> I mean, so tumultuous. But by the end of last week's episode, they were both telling each other they loved each other. Mm-hmm. Dad was out of work. And Elizabeth was real bitter about it, saying things like, well, he could at least pay some bills. Mm -hmm. (gasps) That's the harshest we've heard her talk about him. I think so. But by the end of this episode, he has gotten another job. Right. It does look like they're going to have to move to Marble Hill, but they're not moving. To Poplar Bluff. Oh, I keep saying that. It does look like they have to move to Poplar Bluff, but that's not coming until Dean has graduated from high school. Mm. So that's nice. So poor Helen. She's (laughs) She's gone to a lot of different schools. And now what is she? Is she going to be like a junior or a sophomore? And now Mm. she has to go start all over again at another school. And Poplar Bluff is a big city compared to this one. Marble Hill has a population of about 420 people. Uh But Poplar Bluff has more like 11,000 people. Oh, wow. So a lot more people to date. Oh, seriously, a lot more boys. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But right now it is still Marble Hill time. April 3rd, 1937. 
came home at 7 and went to bed at 7.30, where I stayed about two hours. I felt terrible. I got up and sat around and fixed some hot chocolate and toast, went to work at 11. Mr. Talent wanted me to type some, so I went over there for three and a half hours. Came home and bathed, had time to rest a bit, felt tough. Francis gave me a nice luncheon set, and Helen gave me a little dog pin quite a while ago. Mother brought me... Mother brought me some pillows and embroidery. I did some on one tonight. Jack came up. I fixed his fingernails. He ordered me something. This is so weird. Yeah? Because this is the day before her birthday. Why is she getting all her presents today? And, you know, they open all their gifts on Christmas Eve, which is fine. Some families do that. But even like last episode, Mm -hmm. it was the day before Valentine's and he brought her Hershey kisses. What the hell? Yeah, that's weird. Can't you wait one more day? (laughs) (laughs) I just think that's so weird. Yeah. Um, Good observation. Yeah. So let's find out what she actually does on her birthday then. April 4th, 1937. Out of my teens into the 20s. Worked until 8. Dad came after me after breakfast, took the kids to Sunday school and took the car to work at 10, got off at 12, and went by for the folks at church. Went back at 1.30 after putting on my suit. Jack called and said he was going fishing with Fred. I embroidered on Sunday. Mary, Ellen, Max, and Francis came up a while. I got off at 5. Boots brought Francis and me home in the car. Helen and I picked up Jack, David, and Dean and rode around a while after supper. Francis and I went riding. Peg worked for me. Jack came up, and we went to church with the folks. I mean, I guess that's an okay birthday. Jack Jack went fishing. Right, I know. Jack and Fred, what's up, (laughs) boys? I know. Uh, So she just worked a little and embroidered and went to church. She likes going to church, so I guess that made her happy. It's um, like holidays, you know, she kind of just is normal you know I mean, christmases thanksgivings yeah. all of them like those christmases where she just went to a friend's house and hung out yeah, back in bell it's weird it is weird yeah i guess they didn't have a Wii, so they couldn't have a game day like <laughs> i do in my family they didn't have a Wii back then thank god for the Wii. it's families who we together stay together uh. right <laughs> so here we go april 5th 1937 came home at seven with dad he had waited on me I'm learning to fix the tickets, and I'm usually late. Went to Lutesville after my shoes and paid the bill. Went back to work at 11. Francis brought the car down, and I took it home at 1. Saw Jack at the post office, and he said we didn't get any mail. Dad left a little after 1. Went back to work at 5. Locked my door after 7. Jack came up, and then Leon came for a few minutes, and so did Leon Sander. John came over, and Jack took him to the show. I'm glad she's locking that door. Seriously. After, after we, seeing um, the guy. I know. The dog guy. So uh, we have some Nazi news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On April 5th of 1937, the first postage stamps bearing the face of Adolf Hitler went on sale in Germany to commemorate the Fuhrer's 48th birthday. And as much as I don't want anything about Hitler in my Google search more than it already is, mm-hmm. I looked up these stamps to see what they look like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're basic. They just have his picture on them. But I wondered if they'd be worth anything today, like people who collect Nazi Probably. memorabilia. Ah, the ones I found on eBay were like cheap. Really? Like like a twelve dollars. People don't want them. I I would hope bad not. karma. Wouldn't it though? Yeah. Yeah. And then we have some local Marble Hill news that I found in the newspaper, mm-hmm. and the headline said "Town Does Without Lights." 
Oh, they went blackout? I, I guess so. It says, because there is only enough tax money for the barest running expenses, Mayor Thomas said today that this town of 421, yeah. the seat of Bollinger County, will do without electric streetlights and other luxuries. I don't think a streetlight at night is a luxury. Yeah. I think of Elizabeth walking home from right. the office, and that's a danger. She could trip. So this was intentional blackout. Yeah, they did it. They, like they, rolling blackouts and... You're not even like a rolling, like Just we don't have the money. Wow. We can't pay that bill. You know, it's funny when Daphne and I were in France this summer, mm-hmm. none of the fountains were uh-huh. on. Really? I mean, at For Versailles. Yeah. And really? all the cab drivers were like, we don't have any money after COVID. Wow. So we've turned off things like this in the cities that would cost money. Huh. Water, yeah, the yeah. electricity, the Absolutely. lighting. Turned them off. How weird. I know. But my friends just recently went to Paris and they said the fountains are back on. So I'm like, well, God dang it. I didn't get to see the fountains. <laughs> Well, that's a big deal of Versailles, the fountains. Isn't it? And I missed them. Mm -hmm. So now Mm -hmm. I I just have to go back. Mm -hmm. But they did end this article saying the town is not in debt and we won't put it in debt. All right. So that's great. Don't be in debt. And now we can meet little Leon Sander. Uh, When he's coming to visit Elizabeth here on April 5th, it Mm -hmm. is two days before his birthday. His name was Leonard Marcellus Sander. He was born on April 7th of 1915. His parents were Sam and Mary Sander. His mother died in 1925, having her seventh child. I know. Her little, the son that she died having was named Charles. Uh He was born in January. And by the end of the year in December, her husband is already remarried. Mm -hmm. So he took care of that, got a woman to come and help him. And I hope she knew what she was getting into because she was jumping into a house with seven children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so did Maria Von Trapp. So maybe she made clothing for them out of draperies. (laughs) Yes. And they sang on rivers. And I think Sam and Bessie, (laughs) uh, his new wife, they have a couple of more kids of their own. So it's Mm -hmm. a huge family. In the 1930 census, Leon is living with his dad and all those kids at his grandparents' house. And there's no mention of the new wife. Hmm. I don't know. But in the 1940 census, Bessie is back living with them. So maybe they broke up for a while. Maybe mm-hmm. all those kids were too much for her to handle. Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. knows? Leon Sander registers for World War II. And I'm not sure if he serves or not. Oh, and in the 1930s, he showed up in the newspaper in the social section as having major surgery. But they didn't say what. Oh, you're kidding. I, I know. Come on, so man. just Leon Sanders having major, like, oh, my God, is it brain surgery? Yeah, is right. it what, what in the world is happening? Of course, they don't tell you. In 1937, Leon marries a girl named Josie Mace, and she was four years older than him. They'll have two kids together, and he'll spend his entire life working in a soap factory. Hmm. He dies in 1978, and little Josie lives on until 2002. Mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. that's a long time. Long enough to see 9-11. That's it, weird to yeah, think about oh. somebody in this diary seeing 9-11. And then dropping dead. And then dying, yeah. Gosh. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. April 15th, 1937. Came home at 7, and after breakfast, I rested. Worked my noon hours. Dad came and Francis brought the car down. I brought it home and made several trips for Mother. Jack called and said we'd go to the play tonight. I went to work at 2, got off at 6, ate supper and put my suit on. Jack came, we got his folks, and we went to the senior play at Lutesville. Up the hill to paradise. Of course, it was kind of good. Sat with Jenny, took the folks home and went riding a little. He gave me a compact and a lipstick. Uh I wonder if it was Avon. 
<laughs> since we just had the Avon talk. Yeah, right. And I guess the senior play is Dean must not have been in it, but it uh-huh. must have been Dean's school, and that's why they went. Uh-huh. If Dean was in it, why didn't she say something about yeah, that? Right, so yeah. I don't think Dean and Helen they just went were to the, the little show. actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A date. As a play. April 22nd, 1937. Went to work at 7 and worked until 11. Helped with dinner and went back to work at 1. Jack called, and after taking a while, he made a remark that I didn't like, so I just pulled the connection. What does that mean? She, she like hung, she, she hung brought up the on curtain? Him. Oh, she wait. hung up on him. Yeah, wait, let me finish the... <laughs> uh, at five, I came home, talked to Mrs. Shell at the school. Mrs. Hopkins called and wanted me to come see her quilt. Jack came, we rode around a while, and then went to the show. Jack apologized and took it back. <laughs> I don't know about all this. She's just up and down. She hung up on it. But, and he apologized, so that's well, good. It's still. nice to know that a man can apologize. Um, but yeah, oh my God, she just pulled the connection. <laughs> pulled the connection. So I just pulled the connection. I love that. It's like, is this what it sounds like when a phone hangs up? Click. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's funny because Daphne called us when we were all in Charlotte because she mm-hmm. was so butthurt that she yeah, didn't right. get to go see the show. And she said something to Aiden and he was like, um, hey, what's this button for? And then he just hung up <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a common thing in your house because your daughter Sophie hung up on you a couple of days ago. <laughs> what's up? When we're done, we're done. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That was April 22nd. And um, this is kind of what all the entries in April look like. Mm-hmm. Things are smooth for her right now, but she's working. She's doing her chores. She's seeing Jack almost every night for a mm-hmm. movie or he comes by the office. So things are nice and comfortable, which makes the diary slightly less interesting. But Elizabeth is happy. Right. And that's all that matters right yeah, now. For sure. So now we're jumping into May. And before we even get into the diary, just because I mentioned this prior, and now I'm into it, on May 4th of 1937, the Duke of Windsor and Wallace Warfield, ex-Simpson, were reunited in France after six months apart and immediately became officially engaged. Mm. So this was the guy who abdicated the throne Mm-hmm. And because of his action, we had Queen Elizabeth for 70 mm-hmm. some odd years. So I'm sure we're grateful for that. She might be a little bitter or was because uh, mm-hmm. there, there was no intention of her. Da- I remember I didn't know her that. dad had a stutter. You remember the movie, I, The King's Speech? Yes. Yeah, that's oh, Queen Elizabeth's dad. Right. He didn't want to be king. He had never been trained to be king. He was the spare. He never thought it would be because his brother was so ambitious. Okay. But it was for this woman. Uh-huh. So it's interesting to me that he abdicates the throne. They're not allowed to see each other for six months. And then they meet in France and get engaged. All right. Well. I mean, the heart wants what the heart wants. There you but go. he gave up everything. Yeah. Can you imagine the first fight? Between the two? I could have been the king of England <laughs> for yeah. you. I mean, uh, right. that's, a, that's a hard pill to swallow. That down. <laughs> but the crown, I don't know how accurate it is. Maybe Deborah in Australia can tell us. I don't know. But it seems like he tried really hard to get back in good graces mm-hmm. with Elizabeth and her family. And it uh-huh. just never worked. Mm-hmm. Okay, but Those royals. Now we'll talk about our Elizabeth. May 6, 1937. Came home at 7 and after breakfast helped do the washing. I went to work my last one overnight for a week. A man came by and took my picture, went home at one and rested a while, fixed my new dress by sewing buttons on. Jack came up for a while and then he brought the coal oil. Dad came home. I went to town and showed my picture. Jack didn't say much about it and I would have given it to him. 
After supper, I got ready to go to the commencement exercises in Lutzville. We went over and Dad ran into a man, but it didn't hurt him at all. Dean graduated from the eighth grade. A lot there. Uh, so first of all, I had thought Dean was a senior in high school, so I was so wrong. Oh, She's right. just She's an eighth, eighth grader. Grade. Right. So Seven that means Helen will get to spend her high school in Poplar Bluff uh-huh. if they move, so good for them. Right. But we have that exact picture. We do. This is a picture of Elizabeth with her hair parted in the middle. Yep. So she was thinking about Billy uh, <laughs> sitting there at the big operator. Thing. Mm-hmm. She looks beautiful. Beautiful picture. It's great. So, well, I mean, I know you guys have probably already seen it, but it will definitely be yeah. in our Patreon gallery. But I love it when we have the entry to match the I picture. Oh, yes. That's God, so, cool. so cool. It must have been. A Polaroid. I mean, not that Polaroid. I mean, it was developed within a day. I mean, it's the same day that he took it. She's. Oh, she maybe he, to, he probably had a dark room at the. Maybe he worked uh, for the newspaper, newspaper or something. And he just went and knocked it right out. Okay. That's why, because we have it. Isn't it a big, like an eight by 10? Yeah. So it that must be. That was a professional the, picture. And thank God she kept it and Jack didn't take it or we wouldn't <laughs> yeah, have right. it to put on this Patreon. Maybe. Isn't that it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Mm hmm. May 7th, 1937. Got up at 5. Dad and I left at 6. Got into Frederickstown at 7. I called Esther. Left at 7.25. Got in St. Louis on the Greyhound bus at 10. Got off at the wrong terminal, so I had to walk back to 6th and Walnut. Got my ticket and went out to lunch. Came back and talked to the dispatcher until time for my bus to go. His name was Fred Wills. He wants to take me around in St. Louis when I come back. Left at 3. Got to Bell at 6.30. Velma and Marge met me. We saw everybody and came up to Marge's, ate supper. Velma came by and she went to the senior play with us. So isn't this fun? She gets mm-hmm. to go, to, go Bell. to Bell. She's been wanting to go back to Bell basically since she got to Marble Hill. Mm. Bill asked her to come back for that reunion thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited. I love it when we get to go back to the old sets. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 A little Very visit. True. <laughs> May 8th, 1937. After breakfast, Marge and I cleaned up the house a little and she had to go to the school to get ready for the banquet. Buddy went with me. I went to see several people, nearly everybody. Went to town with Velma. After dinner, we did the dishes, and I slept a little. Marge took me over to Lil's, and she has the cutest baby. Saw Gussie and Bill. Went down to the market at the station. Dee came by. We went to the cemetery. After supper, Velma came, and we went to town. Sat in Elsie's Cafe. Carl and Bill took us to meet Marge, and we went riding into the drugstore. Then Velma went home. Rode around until late. Gee, I'm so tired. I love that Bill is around. And now I don't know off the top of my head, but Bill gets married in 1937 to that flossy, no, who, who Nancy Shockley. That's who he's going to end up marrying. But it's this year. Oh. So I wonder if Nancy oh. knows that he's yeah. hanging out because surely they're ex- dating by now. Yeah, but, right. Huh. Or, or maybe she's talking about Bill Underwood. No, because Bill would be in college. Billy. You mean Billy? Uh-huh. Billy. She would call him Billy, wouldn't she? She, no, because no? even earlier, a, a couple of episodes ago, she, she called him Bill. Bill in a oh, letter okay. that she got. Oh. Because I guess he's aging out of the Billy. Billy. Oh, okay. So right. I it could, but he would be, I don't know, he might be home from school. Could be. I mean, that could be Billy. See, give us some last names. <laughs> yeah, well. I, I know. I guess she just figures we should know by now. We've read this whole thing. <laughs> even up in heaven, she's like, Liz, come on. Come on. <laughs> you know these people. 
May 9th, 1937. Will came by and we went to Sunday school this morning. Saw a lot of old friends. We didn't stay for church. I went home with her for dinner. Carl rode to town with us. After dinner, the baby was restless, so I left early. Jerry went home with me. He, Marge, and I walked to town. I went down to bid Velma farewell, and she left for home. We kids met Lil and Ray. We went for a walk up the track, went back to Elsie's. Carl came for a while. May 10th, 1937. Marge took me to the bus at 8 this morning, got in St. Louis about 11, talked to Freddie a little. My bus came at 12.45, sat by a doctor who slept most of the way. A boy up several seats kept watching me, and when the doctor got off at Farmington, he sat with me. His name is Jim Bennett. He's been married and is getting a divorce. Got off at Patton. Got home and called mother. Told Jack to come up and get me. Had to wait about an hour. When Jack came up, we went to the show. So she comes home and gets right back into it. But it's a good thing she mentioned that this gentleman got off Mm -hmm. the bus at Patton because then I was able to find out who he was. Okay. And his name was James Wesley Bennett. (sighs) He was born in March of 1908 in Patton, Missouri, which is part of Bollinger County. His ancestry mentions that his family are one of the original settlers of Southeast Missouri. Cool. I know. So good for them. I have a picture of him Uh with his mom and dad when he's a little boy. His dad is hot. (laughs) Really? Oh, my God. Well, was he? Oh, you have a He's just a little boy, picture. so oh, okay. I don't know. I mean, he's right. cute. His mom looks mad, so <laughs> I don't know. But That's... When, yeah. Um, he will be a truck driver when he meets Elizabeth on the bus, and he will have been married for six years. Mm-hmm. He got married in 1931 to Nellie Bridges. Mm-hmm. He does not divorce her, so oh. either they worked it out or he was lying. I see. Uh-huh. He will end up serving as a corporal in the Army in World War II, and then he will return and become the sheriff of Bollinger County. Oh. So that's a big deal. After the war, they end up having two children, a son and a daughter, and he will die of a heart attack in 1978. He's buried with his wife, so everything turned out all right. They didn't get a divorce (laughs) after all. I think that was just like, hi, pretty girl. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Oh, no. This ring. Oh, Mm -hmm. no. I'm getting a divorce. (laughs) That's so neat. I know. Thank God she mentioned Patton. Right. Because I would have. You wouldn't have found him? Never. But that's neat. A random boy sits by her. Uh You were able to find out who. That's so odd. I know. And that he becomes the sheriff of Bollinger County. Yeah. I wonder if she would be like, see it in the paper and go, I sat by him on a bus. He lied to me about being divorced. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Bettys. This is Brenda from Indiana, and you're listening to My Grandma's Diaries. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. May 12, 1937. Helped with an ironing and went to town this morning. Talked to Mrs. Cobb and told her we are going to move. Asked her about getting a phone job in the Poplar Bluff office. After dinner, washed the dishes and slept for quite a while. Dad came. I went to meet Frances coming from choir practice. Charles was with her. We decided to go to the show and came and got the car. We asked Jack to go, but he had a tooth pulled yesterday and didn't feel good. May 13th, 1937. Mother and Dad and I went down to Poplar Bluff this morning and looked for a house to rent and didn't seem to have much luck. I asked for a place in the telephone office, but didn't get too much encouragement. We found a cute little brick house that would be fine and decided to take it. Went to lunch at the Dunn Hotel. Mr. Dunn said he might use me as a cashier in the office around the 1st of July. So I did find the Dunn Hotel. Mm-hmm. I found postcards of it. Okay. And it was a big fancy place with a di- with a restaurant in it. And I, so I think that's cool. Because so many times we can't find the places right. where they stopped. Like when like she and Dad Rondon. came back from Step Rock and they stopped mm-hmm. in Cape to have dinner at the Manhattan. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen yeah. what that looks like. But then we do have some more um, world news. Okay. On May 18th of 1937, the wedding of the Duke of Windsor and Wallace Simpson was set for June 3rd in France. Okay. They'll end up spending most of their life in France and the Bahamas, but this is the start of it for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Elizabeth will end up making him the governor of the Bahamas. Because you know, oh. England owned the Bahamas yeah. right up until recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would give him something to do. Okay. And give him money and status. And the Bahamas are nice. Yes. Unless there's a hurricane. Here's a fun fact. On TikTok, we got a message that the neighbor of where the Hartzells lived is his house. Wait. Did you see that? The na- Where the Hartzells lived where? In Poplar Bluff. He In said Poplar my Bluff. parents lived right next to him. <gasps> I don't know how, I don't know how he knew. Because they, uh, they lived in two. I'll, okay. I only know this because I'm ahead. Yeah, they'll live in two, two places, places, and I think one is nice, and then one is not. So okay, nice. but one is on like Seventh Street. Oh, we know where it is. Uh huh. And oh. the second one is on. I only again because I'm ahead. Yeah. And uh, the other one ends up being on Pine Street, and I don't think they like the Pine Street okay. house. I think they had to scale down. Uh huh. Even though she says it's a cute little brick house, mm-hmm. I think the other one might be even littler. Uh huh. So how interesting. You'll have to say, was it on 7th Street? Yeah, I did. At first, the person said, hey, my parents lived next door to the Hartzells. And then I said, where? What town? And he said, Poplar Bluff. I didn't go past that, though, because I don't know. I think I have found the one on Pine Street. Because because oh. that was the on the death certificate of Louis yes. Hart, or not Bess because she was already moved Louis but it was Louis's death certificate that had their address and I found the house oh but it doesn't look like it looks like it's been redone because yeah. it doesn't Probably. look like yeah what dump. I <laughs> or it doesn't look like what I think it should look like uh-huh. I mean it looks modern yeah well, so maybe they tore down the house they and built the, yeah yeah you never know May thirtieth nineteen thirty seven. Got up at 4.30 and was ready when Jack and Unc came at 5. We got Max and picked up Shorty Williams. Got to Farmington about 6.20. Had a flat and at last got going. Got into St. Louis about 10. Took Shorty to his girlfriend's. Went to the zoo. 
went to the air races. Gee, it was hot. Started looking for Shorty at 8, but it was 9.30 when we found him and started going home. Got back around 1.30, tired, sunburn, but a grand trip. So this is a lot of kids deciding to go to St. Mm-hmm. Louis for the day. She didn't get home until 1.30 yeah, at night? right. Yeah, yeah. That's late. Rebel. Mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, are you would, I'm sure she called. Yeah, they, I you think know. it was all innocent. I, of course. Yeah. But, oh my God, I'd be so worried back then. Right. May 31st, 1937. Got up at 8.30 and would have slept longer, but they made too much noise. Ate a little and bathed. Went to work at 11. Jack said he wasn't coming up, but he called and said he would. Gee, it was hot. My last night. June 3rd, 1937. Got up kind of early and helped get the last things ready to leave. Took the kids and went to Lutesville to attend to several errands. Went by to tell Jenny goodbye. We waited on the truck a long time. It got there just as we were lunching. Got it packed and left at 1.30. Went by and told Francis goodbye. Had to wait on the truck after we got here. Unloaded the things and fixed up the beds. Ate a big supper. Was so hungry. Wrote to Jack a little tonight, going to bed about 8.30. Nighty-night. So Francis gets to stay behind. Yeah, right. She must have had a more steady or better paying job. Mm -hmm. But why couldn't Francis and Elizabeth room together at, you know, because obviously Francis is going to stay at a boarding house or something. You mean in Marble Hill Uh or Poplar Bluff? In in Marble Hill. Yeah, yeah, Francis doesn't move with him. I think I would have felt better as a mom to to leave leave. my two daughters with Mm -hmm. jobs behind Mm -hmm. and not take my daughter who now doesn't have a job. Maybe she just needed help with the That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this goes right back again to Bess being like, no, 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 no. You you need to come with me. I need you. I need you. With Leon and... And and the two littles. Yeah, I bet that's exactly what it was. Oh, poor Elizabeth. was a mother at the age of, you know. Oh, of course. Well, like they all were back then. Yeah, true. But she had a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And again, they're moving into a big city, over 11,000 people mm-hmm. in Poplar Bluff. It was officially considered a settlement, uh, Poplar Bluff was, right. in 1819. At the time, it was taken from the native people already living there by the French. <laughs> and then the Spanish took it from the French. And finally, the Americans took it from the Spanish. <laughs> so, yeah, b- busy. International <clears throat> affair. <laughs> busy 120 years. Yeah, right. Poplar um, it was a big timber town, and that made it a big railroad town. Mm-hmm. And today, there's a population of 17,000 people wow. living in Poplar Bluff. Mm-hmm. That's big. It is, it well, is. They wrote a newspaper article about us. They did. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. We Yes. If we haven't already linked that up, we're definitely going to um, have that up on our Facebook and Instagram and yeah, wherever you article. can. And uh, it's, yeah, they didn't put it behind a paywall. So that was they awfully did, thoughtful of them. They did, but they took it down for us. Oh, that's so nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, You know, Poplar Bluff, now that she's moved, has a newspaper. Mm-hmm. But because this oh. is such a big town, it's a big paper. Yeah, right. It's a daily eight-page paper. Uh-huh. Is a lot of... And, and you'll see like a great story like, head found in a field. And you're like, <laughs> what? And then you go to read it and it's in like New Mexico. Oh, and I'm like, right. oh well, they that's still not. do that today. Yeah, yeah of right. course, because it's you know Clickbait. it's a bigger city and more yes. n- more news from all around the country. Right. So it's not a very helpful newspaper to me. Okay. So I'm starting to look at like the Sunday paper, and I'll, uh-huh. and hopefully we'll start getting some more things as we continue. June 9th, nineteen thirty seven. Mother and I unpacked all the rest of the dishes and washed them, but didn't do much else. Dean went with me to town. We met Mrs. Frank Stewart. She's Margaret and Jim Allen's sister. Met a little neighbor girl, Betty Snyder. Came home for dinner and then rested before going to town. 
went to Montgomery Wards, and they told me to come to work Saturday morning. Got a letter from Jack after supper, answered it tonight. So, Montgomery Wards, this is her first job in Poplar Bluff, and it's the world's first great mail-order retail company. It was founded in Chicago in 1872 by a man named Aaron Montgomery Ward. Ward was a New Jersey native, and he arrived in Chicago in 1866 and found a job with Field, Palmer, and Lighter, the dry goods business that would become Marshall Fields. After selling Fields products in hard-to-reach rural areas for several years, Ward decided to create an easier means to market merchandise, and in 1892, Ward and his brother-in-law invested $2,400 in a new mail-order business. I didn't realize it was quite that old, or maybe I thought it was even Hmm. older than that. Mm -hmm. But in 1874, the catalog was 32 pages long. It listed 3,000 items, and the slogan was, Satisfaction Guaranteed or Your Money Back. That proved to be very appealing to customers who used Ward's catalogs to order all sorts of goods, including clothing, barbed wire, saddles, windmills, <laughs> and even steam engines. Hmm. By 1897, annual sales had reached $7 million, and the catalog was nearly 1,000 pages long. And in 1900, the company was worth about $19 million. Mm-hmm. Annual sales grew to over $100 million by 1920, and the company entered a new era in 1926 when it decided to follow the lead of Sears and Roebuck by opening retail stores. By 1931, now this is after the Depression, so the market crashes in 29, 31, there are more than 530 Montgomery Ward stores across the country. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? Between 1928 and 1941, annual sales grew from $200 million to $600 million. You know what that sounds like so much to me? Hmm. The pandemic and Amazon. Hmm. Oh, right. How they sure. just made so yeah, yeah. much money True. with everybody being home. So mm-hmm. at a time of a disaster, who tends to do better? I guess we need to start our own magazine, a retail sure. company. <laughs> yeah, why not? That'd be easy. Dang. After a, nearly 130 years in business, Montgomery mm-hmm. Ward was finally closed because you can't find a Montgomery Wards now. Is that right? Yes. I didn't know that. So they were around for 130 years. Yeah. But that's pretty cool. June 12, 1937. Went to work at Montgomery Wards at nine this morning. Worked as a clerk in the lingerie and china department. Came home at 11 until 12 for lunch. Francis came on the bus, and they came in a minute. I also saw Randall Kindner and was so happy to see them. Came home from 4 to 5 for supper, went back and thought I'd have to work until 9, but I got off at 8. Jack came up at 9, came home with the family, went to bed, talked, and ate. That seems out of order to me. It, we should have talked and ate and then gone to bed. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but Jack is coming up to visit her in Poplar Bluff, so this is good. I'm surprised he didn't come with Francis, but I guess it depends on when they get off work. Buses run late. What do you mean? Oh, at yeah, night? It's coming in at nine o'clock at night. Sure. So I guess they're yeah. expecting people to get off work and then have to go. Because mm-hmm. I guess the bus ride was about two hours. Mm-hmm. June 13th, 1937. After breakfast, Jack and I took mother to the store. Went after paper and took the kids to Sunday school. After I bathed, we went riding. Went by to see his cousin, but she wasn't there. We picked flowers out on the highway. He drove most of the time. Came home and had dinner. After the dishes were done, we went riding with the girls. Rode around everywhere. We went to see the water power plant. Went through it. 
came home and Jack and Francis had to go. Took them to the bus station. They left at four. After supper, Dean, Helen, and I went to church. So I tried to look up this water plant and Mm -hmm. how they could ride through it. And there's not a whole lot of information. So Mm -hmm. I guess I'm sure the water system has changed so much that this water plant is long gone. I love that they were picking flowers out on the highway. I think that so. And then some this entry made me think of something. They say after breakfast, Jack and I took mother to the store. Somebody messaged us on Facebook not too long ago, wondering if Bess knew how to drive a car. Because she's like, maybe that explains why Elizabeth is always running errands for her. Because didn't drive? Mm-hmm. I'll bet she didn't. I know, because mm-hmm. uh, like we've right. already seen entries where she comes home from working an overnight shift, helps with breakfast, and then takes the kids to school. Right. Because best, so that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Huh. June 20th, 1937. Had a late lunch. Left home at one. All of us, mother, dad, Leon, and I drove to Marble Hill. Came to Mrs. Kinder's to see Frances, talked to her a while, phoned Jack, but he wasn't there, so I talked to his mother. Went to town and picked up Jack. We rounded up the kids. Jack and I went to Allen's. Frances, Kat, Dad, and I went to church. June 21st, 1937. Went to work with Frances this morning, talked to the girls and addressed some envelopes. Went by and talked to Jack a while. We planned to go to the 4th of July outing. Went to see Claire and stayed until after 11. Went to see Max at the office. She let me call mother and she said I could stay and go home on the bus Thursday. June 25th, 1937. Helped with the housework. Felt bad all morning. Mrs. Stewart called and asked us to take our lunch out to the waterworks and have a picnic. I went to the store and got some stuff. We went about 12.30. I didn't have much fun and felt bad. Came home and went through the bowling works. Got a free lemon soda. Felt awful when I got home. After Dad and Leon came, we heard the fire truck and followed it out to Cynthia Street, where a woman had fallen in a well. Uh, what? Oh, my God. Baby Jessica. So, big, exactly. so, thank God they're in Poplar Bluff now, and I've got that big newspaper, and right. I was able to go and find the article about this woman. Her name was Mrs. Woody. And let me tell you all about it. Mrs. Mary Emma Woody, aged 64, wife of John F. Woody, attorney, fell to her death in an unused cistern at the back of the family home at 629 Cynthia Street late yesterday afternoon. The body was discovered about five o'clock by Mr. Woody when he went home from the office. Isn't that awful? Okay, so it goes on. When Mr. Woody went to his home, he called to his wife. She did not answer, and he started to hunt for her. He found the cistern open and looked down into the dark cavern and saw the body. Oh, Oh, no. Yeah. Silence of the Lambs. About four o'clock that day, Mrs. Woody had telephoned her daughter, Mrs. Nell Duff, wife of B.G. Duff. Okay, who cares? You know, (laughs) like, oh, who's that? Oh, we don't know unless we know her husband's name. Anyway, Mrs. Woody was asking her, um, her daughter and her husband to bring what food they had prepared over and eat the evening meal at the Woody home. So they were going to have a little family dinner. And then shortly after that, she went outside going, ooh, let me get this something Um, and fell into the cistern. Poor lady. I find this a little sus Why? only because she, she would no 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 oh. she called them and said okay come over to the house tonight yeah. and did she go and throw herself into the cistern she maybe she was getting water and she fell in and drowned uh well they didn't say she drowned yeah she fell in and died oh. 
Hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, it just seems like she's it's her property. She uh-huh. knows where the cistern yeah. is. She would right. see. So unless she's like, oh, my God, look at that bird. And yeah, then just right. fell into it. I don't know. Maybe it's because like, I watched too much Dateline. But I feel really bad for poor Mrs. Woody. But I have for a sure. picture of the house. Oh, cool. It's a cute little house. Yeah. And, you know, just to, you know, when Google Maps drops you in a place, you don't Mm -hmm. always know it's in the right spot. So I always spin around and look at all the other addresses if I can see them. Mm -hmm. Like, am I looking at 629? Mm -hmm. The house across, okay, 629 Cynthia Street, where Mrs. Woody died, is a little plain two story, Mm -hmm. you know, plain house. You turn around and across the street, it's like a little mansion. Hmm. It's this gorgeous brick home with this little connected sunroom that's Mm -hmm. all windows. It's got a huge iron gate Hmm. all the way around it. It's stunning. It doesn't fit in the neighborhood with Mrs. Woody's house. All the other houses on that street are just normal. And then you have mansion. Do you think that was there when the Woodies were there? Uh, well, the old? Woodies house was built in 1909 because I did oh. look it up to see if I had the right, you know, if they had yeah. rebuilt. I didn't really look up the stats on the one behind mm-hmm. it. I was just so sh- took taken That's weird. by, oh, yeah. my God, this house. So I'll definitely put those pictures up so mm-hmm. y'all can see. But that brick one, it's, something, mm-hmm. it's special. <laughs> hmm. July 3rd, 1937. Cleaned up the house good and baked a silver cake this morning. The chief operator called and asked me to come to the office this afternoon, went to the telephone office and made out another application, and she showed me the board. Took mother to town, and after supper, we took Helen to get some shoes. Came home about 8.30. We kids waited, and Francis and Jack got here about 10. They'd had a flat. It started raining a lot. It's nice to have them. So I was curious about a silver cake. Yeah, what is that? Have you ever heard about that? No, never. Well, it's an early to mid-20th century white cake, and it's made with nary and egg yolk, but with copious Mm. amounts of stiffly peaked egg whites. Sounds like an angel Angel food food. cake Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I was researching it, and I found lots of recipes for this cake with slight variations on the name. Some Mm -hmm. said silver seafoam loaf. Some were called a Pennywise silver cake, and some were just called a silver white cake. Okay. So I think that'd be kind of fun. Yeah, for sure. But speaking of food, mm-hmm. on this day, well, actually, yes, on this day in July of 1937, Hormel Foods Corporation began selling the canned meat product Spam. All right. So that's where we started. Spam is made from like ham parts. Yeah. All squished together. And spam has become a part of popular culture, including a Monty Python sketch, Mm -hmm. which they repeat the name so many times. Mm -hmm. And it's the joke. Like everything on the menu is spam, Spam. eggs and spam soup and spam. spam, spam. spam. And yes, they start singing that song. Spam, 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 spam. And that's um, why unsolicited electronic messages Uh are now called spam. It's based on oh, the Monty Python sketch really? where they just say the word spam, 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 spam so many times. Yeah, you're getting spammed. How getting cool spammed. is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I love spam. Fun fact. July 6, 1937. Jack and Francis left at five this morning. I got up to see them off. Went back to bed until after 10. Got Jack's letter he had written Friday. After dinner, I did the dishes called the chief operator, and she said Mr. Wood was going to give me work. She'll train me. So mm-hmm. Elizabeth is back in a telephone office right. again, and okay. now it's a bigger city. So she's mm-hmm. going to be a busy little girl hopping around there. So I'll be curious to see what the difference is for her mm-hmm. now that you know she's in 
a city twice as big. Sure, yeah. Gosh, right. more than twice as big. They had 12,000, you said, in uh, Poplar yeah. Bluff? From, yeah, from, from 421. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're very particular about that one. 421. <laughs> yeah. July 10th, 1937. Was helping around here, and Wards called and told me to come up as soon as possible to work in the basement. I went at 9.30. Cleaned up most of the time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And didn't wait on so many customers. Came home at 1 for lunch and ate with Dad and Leon. Went back at 2... Frances came home on the bus, and she came to see me. She brought a letter from Jack. They went swimming last night. I came home from 6 until 7 for dinner and went back. Didn't do much but clean up. Got off at 9. Dad was waiting. We took Frances riding a while to try to cool off. It's so hot. It always made me wonder what hole they were swimming yeah, in. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, <laughs> but again, she couldn't swim, holes. though, right? No, but Francis, I guess, could. Yeah. Because Francis and Jack. And yeah, they must have, the whole gang yeah. must have gone out she and floated. taken Francis. Yes, floated. <laughs> <laughs> July 13th, 1937. Well, I started work at nine this morning as a telephone operator. Didn't do much but watch, and Mrs. Young told me all about it. Came home at 12 and went back at 1. Watched some more, and she talked to me about discipline. Operated for a little while, got off at 5, and came home by the post office in the car. Went down to see Vivian a minute. Yeah, I love that she talked to her about discipline. Yeah, right. Like get <laughs> like, in on time kind of thing? Probably, or just, you know, keeping everything in order because right. it's such a big thing. Or, like, not talking about what she hears. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then she mentions this girl, Vivian, and mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't find a Vivian in all of Poplar Bluff. <laughs> so, I hate, she's going to be spending a lot of time. This is a new friend of hers. So, I hate that we don't know more about poor Vivian. July 14th, 1937. Swept the whole house and cleaned up myself a little. Got a letter from Jack. He wants me to marry him soon. I talked things over with Mother the rest of the morning. After supper, I started a letter to Jack. Finished my letter and listened to Hit Parade. Went walking with Helen. Well, I wonder if walking Mm. with Helen, her feet even touch the ground because she must be so excited. Jack wants to marry her soon. Like, how soon? Where's the Mm. ring? Mm -hmm. I guess we don't get big proposals anymore, but this is so exciting. (laughs) Well, let's see what happens. July 15th, 1937. Spent the afternoon just sitting around. Bathed, but didn't wash my hair before supper. 
took Mother and Helen riding after supper, came home and listened to Bob Barnes, typed a letter for Dad. Gee, I'm lonesome. I wish I had a way to see Jack. So you remember that other radio personality that mm-hmm. we met in another town and I could never find him? Yeah. His name was like Greer or Geis. I can't or, remember, yeah. So, uh, Doug. Doug. Doug was his name. Yeah. This is another thing, Bob Barnes. And yeah. sadly, there's a very popular radio personality named Bob Barnes who's much younger than this guy would yeah. have been. okay. So he takes up all the bandwidth oh, and the, gotcha. my searches. So. Search. Who the heck is Bob Barnes and what did he do? Huh. But I have it on this day. Okay. On July 15th of 1937, the Buchenwald concentration camp opened. Mm. So mm. Here we this, go. this is one of the big ones. This is one of the ones I tried to go to when it's in Munich. Mm-hmm. And or is that Dachau? Oh, yeah. now I can't remember. But I went on a Monday and it was closed. Mm-hmm. So my one chance to go to a concentration camp mm-hmm. uh, to see what it was like when I mm-hmm. lived there, I didn't. And I, maybe I'm glad I didn't because yeah. it would have been so heartbroken. Yeah. I, I would have been so heartbroken. Um, but also there was a place called Upper Silesia in like Poland, Germany. In 1921, there was a disagreement over the future of this place called Upper Silesia. Both Germany and Poland claimed the territory as their own, so the League of Nations stepped in to assist those countries. They sent the League armed forces to occupy the area to make sure everyone was safe until the issue was resolved. So this is what they came up with. Mm -hmm. The League of Nations recommended that they enforced protections for minority interests that would last for 15 years. So you couldn't discriminate against someone because they were German or Polish mm-hmm. for 15 years while they mm-hmm. tried to figure out, are we German or huh. are we Polish? Right. So special measures were threatened in case either of the two states refused to participate mm-hmm. in these regulations. Both sides still suffered unbelievable mm-hmm. discrimination. But on this day, that accord has come to an end. Okay. So now that whatever peace Racism they had. Racism is free, is yes. open. Yeah. Yes, you are free to be as racist as you want in Upper Silesia <laughs> now. And Germany is going to think that's a fabulous idea. Mm-hmm. And we all know what happens to Poland in mm-hmm. World War II. But that's the start of it. Mm-hmm. That's like, God, that they saw this coming to an end and mm-hmm. say, whoa, 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 have you guys worked it out yet? Because mm-hmm. if not, we can, you know, renew this it. contract, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> so it's so sad. And so, uh, you just see it coming. You see it coming. Yeah, I was thinking that too. <sighs> July 16th, 1937. Got a letter from Jack and answered it. Went up to the store to pay the bill. Sent off some money orders and got myself a white purse. Jack had sent a request to the mailbox program and I tried to hear it, but it was so noisy in the office. Zelda called and she called Jack for me, but he was in Cape. After supper, I took my letter to mail. Dad had forgotten. Talked to mother. We went riding. So I guess we are getting a sense of how busy it is in the office because it's too loud for her to hear yeah, the radio. Exactly. And Jack might have sent in like, for my sweet love, and she didn't get to hear it. Is that what the mailbox program was? Mm-hmm. She's mentioned this before where you can send in a letter to a radio station yeah. and during a certain hour, they'll play requests. Okay, cool. And I they can, that. it's like, you know, Casey Kasem and yeah. his like, those letters he used to get. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I have an on this day. Mm-hmm. On this day in Nazi Germany, they open an exhibit about what they call degenerate art. Mm -hmm. And this was a law that had been passed in Germany that anything considered degenerate art was to be taken out of museums and places of business and public buildings. Mm -hmm. And basically anything that was considered an insult to German feeling. So anything that hurt their little feelings uh or anything that had been made by a Jew. 
Uh-huh. And you are you weren't allowed to teach about this kind of art. You weren't allowed to exhibit it or sell it. And in some cases, you were forbidden to even produce it. So if you were caught making oh, art as a you know a modernist, anything right. like modern, they, oh, they didn't man. they didn't like them. And so they took them all from museums and places where they found them, and they put graffiti on them, and oh. they destroyed them. And then they decided to have an exhibit of this art in Munich. <laughs> teach people, and, yes, to show them this is what we'll do just with you to your art. If you disagree with us. So that's what was going on in this day. Mm-hmm. It was pretty, pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. July 20th, 1937. Well, another working day and I'm keeping the same hours. They're mine. I got a letter from Jack at noon and answered it. He wants me to come up this weekend and I want him to come down. I helped with supper and stringing some beans. Ironed all my dresses. July 22nd. 1937. When I came home from work at noon, there was a letter from Jack telling me he missed me and was sending me a bus ticket. I responded and said that I would come. Went back to work. After I got off, I asked Mrs. Young if I could come in at 3.30 Saturday afternoon, and she said she'd see tomorrow. I sure hope she will. Came home and typed a letter for Dad and helped with supper. So that's, mm-hmm. he's like, come on, girl, sends her a little bus, a bus ticket. ticket. And she's trying, you know, she just got this job and now she's asking for time off. Right. It doesn't seem like these girls are quite as willing to work for each other as the small town girls were. Right. But then again, Marble Hill was such a small town. It's probably easy for them to just, oh, I'm just going to walk down to the office for an hour or two and help Elizabeth out. True. These girls probably had to catch a bus right. to get to work. It's very different. But we had spoken in a previous episode about how Roosevelt wanted to stack the courts. It mm-hmm. might have just been the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and on this day, that bill failed. So mm-hmm. that's, this is one of the reasons why nothing has changed in the Supreme oh, Court since I think the Civil War. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. July 24th, 1937. Went to work at 7 and came home at 11 for dinner. Mrs. Young let me change hours so I could get off at 3.30. Had a special delivery letter from Jack with my ticket. It was after 4 when we left, and it was so crowded on the bus. Got to the store, saw Jack, Claire, and David. Talked a while. Francis walked up and stayed a few minutes. Cleaned up before supper. Jack came and we got Francis and took the girls to Fletcher and then went riding. July 25th, 1937. Jack came down and took David and me to Sunday school this morning. We took Francis with us. Went to see Grace, but she wasn't there. Sat on the porch a while. Went riding to Glen Allen. Went to see Wilma and Baby and Maxine. Stopped at Claire's a while. Went to get some stuff to take home. Sat around and then went to the bus. July 26th, 1937. Went to work at 8, came home at 12, went back at 1 for the same old drudge. Hurried home at 5 and ate a little supper. Wrote to Jack. Dad took me to the show. Saw Jean Harlow and Clark Gable in Saratoga. Poor girl. It was her last movie before she died. She didn't even finish it. Got home about 8.30 and talked to the folks. Vivian came about 9 and stayed until 11.30. Had a good old long talk. 
So I was interested about, I didn't know that Jean Harlow died right. making a movie. Right. So of course I looked her up. Yeah. And of course, um, Jean Harlow was known for her portrayal of bad girl characters. Mm. She was the leading sex symbol of the early 1930s and one of the defining figures of the pre-code era. And that was an era of American cinema when you could be super raunchy mm. before they took it a little too far and then got pushed way back. Okay. Kind of like how Janet Jackson's wardrobe <laughs> malfunction changed Good. radio. Like forever radio oh yeah there were certain songs that rob uh, my husband was a uh-huh. dj at that time they were taking songs off the Her air left and right no that? no no, no. Oh, um, promiscuous because, things oh right and like that it bob and tom show which i kind of can't stand mm-hmm. but some people really love it a lot of that stuff uh-huh. they couldn't play anymore uh-huh. because you couldn't even joke about yeah. like i guess boobies <laughs> Whatever. I, I know I, oh god it was awful <laughs> Anyway, Jean Harlow was often nicknamed the Blonde Bombshell, which I thought was Marilyn Monroe. Mm -hmm. Maybe she took it over. Harlow was popular for her laughing vamp scream persona, and she was in the film industry for only nine years, but she became one of Hollywood's biggest movie stars. In 1999, the American Film Institute ranked Harlow number 22 on its greatest female screen legends of classic Hollywood cinema. So, how did she die? In January of 1937, Harlow and Robert Taylor traveled to Washington, D.C. to take part in fundraising activities with Franklin D. Roosevelt for his birthday for an organization that would later become the March of Dimes. Mm. Harlow was a Democrat. She had campaigned for Roosevelt, which is really cool. And this trip was ended up being physically taxing for Harlow and she got influenza. Uh-oh. She recovered in time to attend the Academy Awards ceremony with William Powell, but filming for Harlow's final film, Saratoga, was supposed to start in March, just two months later. But production was delayed after she developed sepsis from multiple wisdom tooth extraction. Oh, my. So the girl had influenza oh and then her God. wisdom teeth taken Yuck. out. Now she's sept- septic because of it. And then she's going to be dead. Well, she had to go into the hospital and, mm-hmm. for, and was there for almost two months. Mm-hmm. Shooting began in April of 1937. But on May 29th, she had a scene in which her character was sick, but mm-hmm. she looked too sick to play a sick character so she did not return to the set a concerned Mm. clark gable would visit her and later remark that she was severely bloated and that he smelled urine on her breath when he kissed her oh nothing about that sentence seems okay to me first of all well i guess we all know Mm. what urine smells like yeah so that's not i guess so weird but why is he kissing her on the mouth if she's that sick and she's all bloated but anyway all of those are signs of kidney failure which is what she had and then she died oh my i know so goodbye Jean harlow but Mm. she was a beautiful woman yeah she was and uh there you have it july 27th 1937 went to work all day didn't feel very good i just don't have the energy and i don't know why had a little fever after supper i took the kids for a ride came home and typed some letters and a contract for dad took Helen, Dean, and Evelyn riding. The kids are going to Marble Hill with Dad tomorrow. Jack and I aren't going to be married for quite a while yet. A year, I guess. Mm-hmm. So now they're like, okay, let's not rush into it. Although he's Mr. Elopement. Maybe, I was going to say. Maybe yeah. because she doesn't want to elope that he's like, well, I don't know when I'm going to have time. My, gosh, uh, August is looking so busy. <laughs> and plus, you have to plan a wedding if you're not going to elope, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, back then, it's not like it is today. Right. I mean, you would just tell your friends, come to the church today. this Sunday. We're going right. to get married after mass. That's the way to do it. That is the way to do mm-hmm. it. <clears throat> if you're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. 
July 28, 1937. The kids went to Marble Hill with Dad this morning, and I sent a letter to Francis and Jack. Worked hard all day and was so tired. They were back when I got home. Gail came with them. They said Jack wasn't friendly to any of them. So I wrote a letter and asked for an explanation. Then they told me there was a girl in the car with him last night. I was all upset and had a hard cry. Vivian came after supper. We had a long talk. July 30th, 1937, Helen's 13th birthday. I just worked my usual eight hours, came home, and got a curt little note from Jack saying if something did happen, why would I care? Tonight, Vivian came, and we went riding a while, walked to town, saw Harold, and stopped to talk about Taylor a few minutes, went to the drugstore and got ice cream, wrote a long letter to my little Jack. July 31st, 1937, worked all day again, and when I came home at noon, had a letter of dismissal from Jack. It was such a hateful letter, and he didn't like what I had said in mine. He said goodbye, so I guess it's over. Leon was hit by a car and ran off. We couldn't find him anywhere. I called Frances and told her to talk to Jack for me. When I came home at five, I read the papers and Mother and I went to the store. Leon came home and his head was hurt. The folks took him to town for some stuff. Cried here all by myself. Not a good day. That's a bad day. Yeah. I don't like the fact that when the parents came to town, Jack was rude to them. Yeah. But he was feeling guilty Mm -hmm. because apparently he'd been in a car with a girl. So there you go. Absence does not make his heart grow fonder. Mm. And now they're broken up again. Yeah. Right. So is a letter of dismissal. That's a breakup letter, right? I would couldn't imagine what else that could be. And she said he said goodbye. So I guess it's over. Yeah. So that's a perfect place to end today's episode. Um, Yeah, a little heartbreak, a big move, and a lot of heartbreaks. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, so even though this ends on a sad note, hey, y'all, don't forget to leave us a nice little review somewhere or five-star us or whatever you do. And, hey, keep sending in your voice memos and your, hi, I'm Doohickey from Blah Blah, and Mm -hmm. you're listening to my favorite podcast. You can also now say anything you want because at the beginning of this episode was a perfect example of a lovely little voicemail that we get from people so send them in we want to hear your sweet sweet beautiful voices and we'll see you next tuesday yep Bye. bye hi i'm chris from rock springs wisconsin and you are listening to my grandma's diaries